Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello from Philippa at the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Now more than ever, people are often turning to a book to provide them with a great escape. And I usually get asked, which book should I read next? There are so many to choose from. Well, help is at hand. The QuickBook Reviews podcast does what it says on the tin. It gives you some quick book reviews. You can tell how long it took me to come up with that market-leading title. Well done, me. And it covers all sorts of different books you might be interested in. And, hopefully, a happy half hour with me chatting about life, cups of tea, biscuits and books. Lots of books. From crime to thriller to general fiction, audiobooks, even children's books. If I think it's good, I'll want to tell you about it. And if I'm not such a fan, I'll tell you that too. It's not about literature or fine arts. It's just about finding a good read that makes you want to keep turning the pages. Finding books that deliver a great ending. Fancy a listen? Download the Quick Book Reviews podcast and see what you think. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, Anna. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty 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 dum dumpty dumpty dum dum. Guess what I've spent an hour and forty four minutes doing today? The excellent Dumpty Dum podcast about the archers, Ian. How are you, sir? Yeah, pretty good. A bit hay fevery to be honest. Still all day, but uh, it's only to be expected on a day like today. Yeah, exactly. It's. Uh, How about yourself? Yeah. Glorious yeah. day, glorious day. Although yeah. finished a finished a podcast. I did a things that made England, and oh, yeah. it was um, youth cultures. So, oh right. Yeah, um, and the curious phenomena that is England creating all of them. You know, mm-hmm. but they're not even British. They're all English. Yeah. Bonds, rock, yeah. Teddy boys. Yeah. You know, Goths. whatever. Yeah. 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 And uh, I have more of an appreciation for goth culture after doing the show. Than that. I was uh-huh. listening back to all those songs. I, as an 11-year-old, uh, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, I was like, I hated that music. Now I'm like, 
Sue's in the band. She's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> incredibly innovative. You know, almost every song of theirs sounded different. You know, they're, they're yeah. Um, yeah. Spellbound, Happy House. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This stuff is good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But um, at least uh, you're indoors, so you're not suffering the ravages of your hay fever right now, then. Uh, well, yeah, theoretically, although I've just, just had, my, had my tea outside, so <laughs> c- couldn't resist it. Well, I, I like the way that you've got your kind of music paraphernalia uh, subtly in the background, so you're not going to have to mention that while, whilst we're chatting. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely no, not. And I, no, not, not to mention Boyfield? Or I'm, I'm not giving you a tune, that's for sure. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not gonna no, you can make, no, green. <laughs> mention it if you like it's fine you know it's it's uh yeah feel free cool cool cool, cool. well we've got another minute to go but Thank you, you know Dave. what i'm gonna start admitting people now let's admit all there we go let's get mm-hmm. them in there we go and i i need to get in the middle of my it admits some more. It, it, you're, you're popular, Kerry. They're all <laughs> Francesca is waving away. Um, Hi. Yeah, Francesca's hello. gone. gone I say hello before you mute us again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and good evening. Hi, Rachel. Hi. I'm very well, thank you. I'm glad the week is over. Work is nuts. Ah. All my friends are sunning themselves in their gardens, and oh. I am online 10 hours a day. But hey, pays the bills. Uh, well, something has to I, I i presume but i'm gonna have to mute you now but i'm gonna come back to you because i know you've got a question or two for, for our kerry um, i might so here we go um i'm gonna mute all and then continue and then i'll need to find you again then kerry and unmute you and we can get going here you are um uh, can you hear me kerry I can indeed. We can. Fantastic. Um, what a week. It, it, it's been a week for all concerned. Historic. A very, absolutely historic week. You know, the biggest change in the arches, probably ever really, in the sense it was, you know, all the, the previous sort of big changes, like the introduction of the omnibus, the going to six days, or six evenings a week and so on, are as nothing compared with this. Um, let us have some kind of idea of how obviously the whole pandemic caught everybody uh off guard sure but tell us kind of structurally organizationally what changes you guys had to make for a start off i there's a whole load of scripts which had to be kind of abandoned yeah i was um particularly badly affected by that in fact because um the as the as things got worse but pre-lockdown um we we had uh, obviously scripts that had been written and were ready for studio mm-hmm. um, and they managed to work through the bulk of those we work in as most people i think know uh, we work in a five-week cycle yeah so there are you know the, the, a whole batch of five weeks worth of scripts um were all all agreed script edited ready for recording and they managed to record four weeks worth of those um, under very uh, and well in, under increasingly trying circumstances as you can imagine with with much as i said um uh, i said somewhere you know, much disinfectant was involved um but then they couldn't they just 
could not do week five. Mm-hmm. And as it happened, I had written week five. So six episodes, um, which would have run up to uh, VE day, um, just, you know, have, were binned. Uh, and worse than that, I was also, as is often the case, writing week one of the next lot. And so I had already written and pretty much finished four out of six scripts, which never even got into the script editing process. Uh, so what happened there was 10 of my scripts <laughs> bit the dust, which is galling, uh, especially the, 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 the V-Day week, I think, uh, because of the characters and situations I've been given to write. This thing was genuinely one of the funniest I'd ever, ever written. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy, uh, the editor, uh, was kind enough to say that, you know, that he thought the the V-Day um, uh, one, which we'd sort of thrown a lot in, into, uh, to, to hopefully mirror what would have been the, the mood of the country, uh-huh. a celebratory, warm community, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, he, you know, he was, he was particularly, um, before he knew it was going to, you know, it was going to bite the dust, uh, he was particularly complimentary about it. So I really got the mucky end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's as nothing compared with what, you know, people are, are going through. But from a professional point of view, it was a shame, obviously. So when it was decided that you needed to stop production or stop production in the traditional way, yeah. um, how long was it that it, for the, the decision to be made, okay, we're going to go, we're going to send equipment to the actors, it's going to be monologues, et cetera, et cetera. How could, was that thought process made? And could you maybe talk us through, through that? Okay, the first thing you have to remember, I'm just a writer. You know, I'm, I used to work on the production no, no. team. Your, your uncle God, Kerry, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I'm, I wasn't a party to any of this process. You know, I, we knew, as, as the writers, we're all, you know, in our uh, freezing writer's garrets. Have I just muted myself? No, no. We, no, we, sorry. We... All right, good. Um, um, and we're very much the end of the chain. And we knew that big, big things were happening, but we had to sit tight and wait to be told what they were. Uh, so I haven't quite got in my head exactly how long things took, but what I do know is, um, you know, I, 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 was, I was rung up and said, really sorry, Kerry, um, your scripts aren't going into studio. Oh, and by the way, those ones you're writing, put the brakes on, don't write anymore. Mm-hmm. And then sometime later, uh, you know, a de- week, 10 days, I don't know what it was, um it was right we'd like you to write um some of the the very first week of the new format and this is what it's going to be um and so as you can imagine there'd been an absolute mammoth task uh for the production team at a time of incredible uncertainty because they at that stage they didn't know you know whether this virus was going to sweep through the cast, uh, sweep through the production team. Uh, they, you know, what the situation in, in real life would be uh, by the time we got on, on air. Uh, and so they had to make a lot of guesses and they had to come up with a format that whatever happened in the interim period, they could safely guarantee 
that they could actually get some episodes in some format on air. Hmm. Okay. Um, just, just whilst um, it, it's here, I know that um, there are a couple of people who are struggling to, to get in. I know that Titian, you just said, uh, admit Glenn, I am. He's signed up a, a so many times. It's some problem at his end. So I, I'm pressing, I'm pressing, I'm pressing admit all the time. Um, okay. So, um, what what brief were you given then, Kerry? When it's a case of okay, so we need to tear these scripts up. Um, imagine the COVID crisis in Ambridge. Sure, it was. Um... Normally, we are uh, the writers are heavily involved in the in the uh, development of storylines, um, and of course that's another complication because there were a you know do a dozen or more storylines that were at various uh, you know points of uh, of, de of development and you know uh, being on air um, and about to launch and and some coming close to climaxes and so on. So they, they had to make big decisions about, you know, what would they do with those? Would they park some of them? Would they try and carry some on through the new format? And indeed invent whole new stories. So rather than uh, the usual um, situation where we're given a week to write, you know, a week on air, we know those six episodes, we're going to write them. Um, and we, we're given them as as kind of shorts, a collection of short stories, effectively. Uh, so they, you know, we know where they start, we know what has to happen in the week, and we know where they where they finish. But it's down to us to decide what days we're going to put them on, uh, the emphasis we're going to give them to a great extent, the characters we're going to choose to tell those stories with, the exact scene by scene breakdown, and so on. Because of the nature of the, let's call it an emergency, because it was, mm -hmm. still is. Um, we got much more it was much more like television actually much more like the television soaps and so i so adrian flynn and i we were the first two writers um into the frame uh adrian was told uh you're going to write monday and thursday i was told i'm going to write tuesday and wednesday and this is this is it scene by scene what's going to happen within uh because the <laughs> believe me the time we had to write, because being in the first tranche, especially, you know, it was it was really, really tight for time. We wouldn't have had time to do the sort of planning uh, and, and so on that we, we would normally expect to do. Uh, so it was more prescriptive than usual, mm -hmm. which we understood entirely, of course. Um, so what what happened was that the production team uh, ha sort of had to had to decide okay, how are we going to set the scene? How are we going to tell people, because we knew there would be a jump from ordinary archers with no, you know, Ambridge with, with no virus to, okay, the virus is now in Ambridge. Um, there'd be a serious change of pace because of the nature of, of what was going to be practical and safe and, you know, that they'd the, the, be confident of getting on air. So, the first Adrian, you know, had had a, a lot of this, as it were, scene setting and gear changing, if you like, to do with his first episode, um, which went out just this Monday. Um, uh, then I had, um, you know, uh, 
slightly more active episodes, I suppose. Uh, but they, but we knew they would have a very limited number of characters. We knew what the characters would be. We basically knew what we needed to get them to say. And of course, we were we were inventing a new style as uh, as we went along. So there was there was much more kind of uh, rewriting than than we would normally do. Uh, much more to and fro and discussion uh, than, than than we have in what you might call standard archers, which you know, is a very well-oiled machine. And, and, and uh, you know, whereas in this case, we were actually building the machine still at the same time as the machine was turning out the product, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Um, so obviously they've gone on air this week and I must admit, I was surprised. I was and I wasn't. Because the truth of the matter is, you and I have had a little bit of a conflab beforehand and stuff. So, um, but I was surprised that David was the first character that was chosen for the monologue. Uh, David and Josh, hmm. because and I love Tim dearly. He's a wonderful actor, um, but David has to be kind of slightly dull uncontroversial because he's the steady hand at the tiller at the farm which is the center of the whole drama so um so that is the reason why he was put on first um but it has to be said that a lot of listeners have found it somewhat underwhelming and then and i'm not just saying this because you wrote tuesday but then it was a real contrast with tuesday we will hear in the monologue of Tracy and, 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 and with Harrison. So um, obviously, when we spoke earlier on this week, you said, look, it's not the David show, but he is the central one of the central characters at the Central Farm. So that's the reason why he went first. But has there been, other than David, has there been any specific order of which um, the characters then have uh, been selected to be on the show? Not, I, I, if there has, I, I've not been party to it. But, um, but but yeah, I, I, nobody told me this, but I'm just intuiting. Mm. Um, you know, I understand why we kicked off with David, why David bookended. In fact, I think he bookended the whole week, didn't he? Um, you know, he had the very first scene and he had the final scene on Thursday. Mm. Um, and that is because, you know, David is Dan's grandson, Phil's son. He yeah. is the still centre of Ambridge yeah. and he could give a kind of overview as to what's happening in the village in a way that Tracy couldn't uh, because you know everything that Tracy sees she sees very much from a Tracy point of view mm-hmm. you know whereas David is able to to be more measured uh, yeah. you know literally standing on the top of Lakey Hill and looking at looking at the whole mm-hmm. uh, the whole picture and and yeah I'm sure there were you know the the editor and the team felt you know there was a need to uh you know to to set the scene basically and to you know and to 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 ensure listeners that that, that this program although it's say again how bad can ruth lasagna be (laughs) (laughs) well i think somebody i saw a great photo of one on uh on twitter i mean the lasagna was obviously a you know a little gentle comic thread that ran through the important thing about about uh, the, uh, what david had there was that it was about ambridge it was about family 
mm-hmm. you know, which I think uh, is going to be a continuing theme, you know, the dynamics of families as they're thrown together in, in different ways, just as listeners' families are thrown together in different ways. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, but then on the second and third episodes, we, we could move on to uh, uh, something that was a little more dynamic, you know, um, with the opportunity for comedy. And I think that's probably why they gave me those episodes to write, because I do like a bit of a laugh. And I love writing for Tracy uh, and Harrison. I think he's a good character as well. Now, here's a question for you because it, it, it occurred to me listening to Monday's episode that, uh, of course, David was reflecting back to the times when he had his uh, points of disagreement with Phil. With Phil, and then you got the whole, you know, it's the circle of life. It's just the circle of life. Which one of those kids is going to inherit that farm? Because I know that you know. You know, don't you? Because... I genuinely don't. <laughs> I genuinely don't. I can tell you, however, mm. that because I've been on this program since the early 18th century, um, I can recall when Ben was born. Mm. And Ben was a bit of a, you know, not necessarily planned late baby, you know, in the scheme of things. Um, and we were sitting around the, uh, the, the, the script meeting table. And it was at the old Pebble Mill in those days with Vanessa Whitburn as editor. And uh, somebody said, oh, I think it should be a boy because I think it'll make the, the, uh, the battle for the inheritance of, of, of Brookfield much more interesting in 18 years' time. And then somebody said, hang on a second, on what other programme do you have an 18-year planning horizon? <laughs> And, you know, and that is, that is, I mean, it's, it's one of the amazing things about, about the show. The answer is on no other program. Uh, mm. Can you, could you even have that conversation? So we don't, you know, genuinely don't know. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, if, if the editor has a, has a plan, if Jeremy has a plan, he hasn't mentioned it to me. Um, but yeah, the point is, uh-huh. just, just as with Adam and Debbie at, at, um, at uh, Home Farm, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both were viable as inheritors. Uh, I mean, obviously, there were certain circumstances about the actor uh, who plays Debbie and, 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 you know, how Tamsin's career just rocketed off that kind of helped make the decision for us in a way. Uh, but, you know, th- this is, this will be for our successors to, to uh, you know, we're hopefully, you know, giving them a situation ripe for, uh, right with dramatic potential. Hmm. But it has to be picked though, doesn't it? <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've had three blokes, then the fourth, the fourth inheritor has to be picked, you know. And that's the reason why she's never going to get married or at least change her surname so it's still the Archers. Well, I hear what you're saying, but that's not in, that's not in any plan, Royfield. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's go all the way back. So you started in the Archers in the 18th century. So King mm-hmm. George the what was, was that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but before you actually became a scriptwriter, you were actually um, a listener. So yeah. Uh, yeah. what was it? What was that storyline that kind of hooked you? So I started listening in the early 80s. Um, I like a lot of lot of people. I, I was a regular one. King listener. George the Third, then. Yeah, yeah. 1780s. Oh, really? <laughs> um, uh, radio one listener, but it, it kind of 
I wanted, I eventually wanted something a bit meatier for my, uh, you know, as part of my listening, still listen to Radio 1, obviously. Um, and Radio 4, you know, just, I don't know how I found Radio 4, but, but I did eventually and, and started listening to things. And of course, you, you, you basically, you can't, it's hard to miss the arches um, if you listen to, to any amount of Radio 4. And the thing that got me hooked in was Shula and Nigel. Now, I mean, listeners who come, who've come later to Shula will not realise, you know, what a, uh, a lively gal she was <laughs> in her younger days. And, you know, things like um, uh, Nigel getting in Tim Beecham's car, thinking, well, he thought it was Tim Beecham's car and driving it away when it wasn't. And shenanigans with Mr. Snowy and, and Nigel um, uh, getting, getting the layout of the upstairs layout of Brookfield wrong and actually um, uh, bouncing into Phil and Jill's bedroom rather than obviously Shula's as he'd intended uh, and all this sort of thing. It was, it was great fun. Um, I was roughly their age, you know, so, so there was that element of, of not that I was necessarily doing exactly the same things, but there's that, that, that uh, kind of feeling of identity with the characters. Um, and it's, it's uh, as everybody who I can see on this screen, uh, and more besides, no, it's an addictive drug. Uh, and, you know, you think you can, you think you can take it or leave it, but no, eventually you're, you're pretty soon you're hooked. So how do we get from you being um, a devotee of Radio 1, uh, then bumping into Radio 4, then actually writing for The Archers? It's, it's, from my maths, it's like about an eight-year gap. So how did that happen? Yeah, it, it's a really convoluted story, so I'll try and simplify it. So... I, I did lots of different jobs in my 20s and early 30s. Uh, I was an RAF officer. Um, I worked in advertising, I worked in PR, I did some media training, all, all, all sorts of bits and pieces. Always very much uh, a, a real radio enthusiast. Though. I, you know, I listened to just about every radio, you know, didn't listen to five very much. Um, but, but there was stuff on it on all the major networks that I listened to, even to a bit of local radio. Um, and when a job came up at the BBC at Pebble Mill, and it was for a press officer in the uh, in the uh, in the press office, obviously at uh, Pebble Mill, working specifically on radio programmes, mm -hmm. uh, and I had a you know I, I, I had PR experience and, and lots of other relevant experience. I really liked the product, which is always an advantage. So I joined the BBC uh, promoting publicizing programs. And one of the most important programs, of course, was The Archers. And I worked with The Archers for about, so, so that was, that was uh, 91. The, uh, I joined just, just as it uh, had its 40th anniversary. Um, and I worked for a year or so, uh, um, promoting not just The Archers, but other programs. And then in the very early summer, late spring uh, of 92, a very short-term vacancy came up at very short notice. Someone had dropped out. In those days, the, um, the BBC did a lot of public appearances. Just about every uh, major agricultural show would have a, a massive BBC tent with lots of things happening. You know, the, the makeup, uh, makeup artists from, would, would paint uh, scars on children's faces and Tom Baker would come along and, you know, be Doctor Who and all that sort of thing. 
And the Archers, of course, was a major part of that. Um, and uh, uh, rather cheekily, well, very cheekily. Harry, uh, I, I, I need to stop you because uh, my, my mother is, has decided uh, that even though I gave her strict instructions not to, uh, to interrupt me, I'm sorry. To give me uh, a uh, come in and, and wave to everybody. Sorry about so. me thinking about you, you know. How are you doing? Hello, everybody. <laughs> I can't tell being a mother, can I? Huh? Not now, Mum, I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what mothers do. Well, my mother's 100 miles away down in Wiltshire, Royfield, so you should think yourself lucky. Oh, just tell him that. Yeah. It's really, yeah. It's something I keep saying to him, he doesn't know how lucky he is, but... <laughs> this is true. He's got no idea, really doesn't appreciate me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mum. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, cutting a very long story short, uh, I very cheaply said, well, I could do that. And Vanessa was desperate. I mean, genuinely desperate. There was a, literally a show starting in 10 days' time. There was a week, week start, the following week. And so a, few, uh, a week later, I found myself uh, on stage at Bury St. Edmunds uh, with um, Charles Collingwood, thank goodness, mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, you know, very, very supportive. He'd done a lot of that stuff before. Presenting, presenting this Archer show, you know, being, being the MC. And that was only meant to be for three months for the summer. Uh, but a producer job came up towards the end of it and I applied for that and I was grossly underqualified but for some reason they gave me the job and I really had two years of very very uh, much learning on the job and and not being very good really but you know, the system kind of buoys you up. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could somebody could come into the Archers now and fundamentally not have done script writing before and actually get a gig as, as a script not as a writer, no, but, and neither did I, you see, because I was working as a producer then, and mm -hmm. eventually became senior producer. And then this thing called Websites came along. BBC was one of the first, um, first uh, sorry, the, the, sorry, The Archers was one of the first BBC shows to have a website. And so because I was, as part of my production responsibilities, I, I was responsible for the PR marketing, that side of, uh, of the programme. I took that on, learned about those, these weird new things. And that job grew and grew and grew. Uh, we had a, uh, a message board that became extremely busy. Um, and I was trying to do it all and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was working 70, 80 hours a week. I had a young family, you know, it was, it was all too much. Mm. Um, and I had, I had thought for some time I'd like to have a go at script writing. So I actually um, sent in a, anonymously sent in a trial script um, and then admitted that that was me. And then suggested to Vanessa, uh, still the editor at that point, um, that I could do a kind of dual job, that I could, we could hive off the website work, and I could also write scripts. And so I did that for about 13 years, something like that, 11 years. Um, and I was pretty confident by then. I, I, I directed over 700 episodes. Uh, I'd, I'd done rewrites, I'd worked on storylines. So, Kerry, what, what, is the, what is the secret source of... Just, just very quickly, because we need to go on to the quiz. Sure. Uh, yeah. I make, make sure there's enough room uh, for the other listeners to ask you some questions towards the end. What's the secret sauce, would you say, uh, to be a successful writer of the docudrama and director? Okay. They're, they're completely different jobs. Mm -hmm. I was lucky that I 
without putting, you know, without false modesty, I ended up being quite good at both of them. Uh, but they are very different jobs. Uh, as a director, you're, you're there predominantly, I, I, I see the role of director, um, certainly in the Archers, as the listener's representative. You, you, you have to, you're the one sitting at the, you know, you've got, you've got technicians around you, they're playing in sound effects, you've got somebody rattling teacups, you've got actors trying to give the impression that they are in the middle of a cornfield when they're actually in, in a very enclosed room with a script in their hand. And I'm, I'm there sitting at the centre of it all with my eyes closed saying, am I in Ambridge? And if I'm not, how can I help these people around me, these incredibly skilled, talented, motivated people to make me feel that I am, you know? Um, so less is, uh, more, less is more generally, you know, if, you, if you're getting into take after take after take, there's something wrong, you know? So it's, it's kind of set the atmosphere so, so that people can do their job well. Know, help them to know what the, you know, what the background is, where the story's going, maybe point out fine points in the script that they, they might like to sort of think of, about bringing out, then let them get on with it. And, you know, I'd often, because they are such good at their, so good at their jobs, often what you hear uh, on air is the first take because it's got that liveliness. Um, writing, completely different. The, I'd say, as a writer, the things that, help me to be a good writer one is i'm a listener mm -hmm. um i'm a soaker up of other people um we are vampires basically writers uh so i i actively it's part partly my personality anyway i like new experiences i like new settings i think it keeps you fresh as a human being let alone as you know professional but you know, I, li I like putting myself in new situations, trying out new things, listening to people, how people talk, different people are very different from me, different ages, different backgrounds, different occupations and so on. Um, so I think that above all, I think, is, is, is the thing, and then being able to put that on the page where it's appropriate. Um, and the other thing, of course, with being an archer's writer is knowing the program, knowing the characters as listeners do, like they are members of my own family mm. and being true to them as, as much as possible. Um, it, I think it's those two things are key. Mm. It has to be said that you are, um, you are the, the writer, which I think are seasoned, seasoned Ambridge watchers, uh, like to watch uh like like he's output the most because you you so obviously have a knowledge and an affection for the characters well obviously i can't i can't speak for how people react to my work it's it's yeah. lovely yeah. people do like it but yeah i've been around for a long time i've got that sort of memory mm. you know i've got a memory for trivia on great at pub quizzes um uh, so i've got a lot to draw on as a listener and because i've worked on the production side as well i know what works in studio i know uh i, I can remember storylines of old that i've worked on um character traits and foibles so yeah hopefully it's it's yeah i just try to keep it as true to to the to the the inheritance as possible
Now, what we have to do, uh, Kerry, because there are two reasons why people have gathered around their iPads, uh, smartphones and laptops um, on, on a Friday evening at seven o'clock. Um, uh, can I say thank you very much for taking the time? I appreciate it. Well, the, the half of half of Middle England uh, are, are mouthing thank you at the moment now. <laughs> um, so they've come to hear you talk about the thing, thing that we all love and that obviously you love, but also they've come for the Dumpty Dum quiz. So, so folks, we're going to have a little bit of quiz action right now. So papers and pens to the ready. Now, Mr. D, feel free mm -hmm. to play along with this. Oh dear, no, I think I'll now, just take a rest. I'll be an observer at this point. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> First off, everybody, it's the infamous picture round. Remember, this is an archer's thing or person. What do you see here? Is this an archer's thing or person? What do you see? I can see Dusty's going, oh, this, this is just too easy. Uh, Jane, Jane Fort is going, yep, nailed that one, Royfield, move on. All right, what do you see here? This is an archer's thing or person. Morgan NYNY. Uh, hello, sir. Nice to see you over in the, you're not in the upper lower east west side. Are you in, not if you're in Brooklyn? Queens? Manhattan? Oh, oh okay. All right. Let's, so question number two. What do you see here, folks? Um, this is an archer's thing or person. Now, I reckon with your encyclopedic knowledge of, uh, of Ambridge. Very good. Mr. Yes, you, you've got it. Yeah, you, you've got it, Mr. Davis. You can get the last of us all. But yeah, so, that's good. That is question number two. Question number three. What is this archer's thing or person? Hmm. Deep in thought. Okay, we will come back to these 
at the end of the show. Now, every Dumby Dum does Zoom. We have questions based on our guest of honor. Kerry has written a few traditional Borsitcher ditties. Which one didn't he pen? Which one didn't he pen of the following? Number one, the Borsitcher cobbler. Number two, the fair maid of Edgley. Number three, let's give Edgley a kicking. Which one of those didn't Kerry pen? Kerry has a nickname with us Archers fans. But what do Dumpty Dummers call him? Is it Uncle Kerry, Uncle God Kerry, or Kerry God Davis? So, what do Dumpty Dummers call Mr. D? Is it Uncle Kerry, Uncle God Kerry, or Kerry God Davis? When Brian's affair became common knowledge, who was the first person to discover the truth? Now, this was a storyline that Kerry penned. Was it number one, Sid? Was it Sid in the pub? Was it number two, Jenny? Was it number three, Debbie? I should Who? not have corrected there. It's, uh, it was when I was, that was back in, the, in my production days. I actually directed, directed. A, a very key moment in the story. Okay. Number four. Kerry has done a lot of stuff. However, which of the following is not true? He's been about as our Kerry. Number one, he was the subject of a petition to be the editor of The Archers. Number two, his beard was voted Beard of Autumn. Or number three, he wrote songs on an album produced by Chris Difford of Squeeze. Now that big band, a big band. Did he write songs on an album was produced by Cliff Difford of Squeeze? At the fate, this was circa 2000, Joe refused to give tips on spiel troshing. Why? Number one, because he's waiting on his dinner. Number two, Bert wouldn't give Joe any, um, sorry, I've, I've screwed up the, the right on this. Bert wouldn't give Joe any info about the sheep race. Missed out a word there. Or because Robert stood by his trosher. Until I wrote this in a hurry, folks, I do apologise. Get rid of the word. Your. There you go. Because Robert Snell stood by his trosher. So which one of those was the reason why Joe refused to give tips on spiel troshing? And the last one, these are, these are deep this week. These are deep. Kenton and Jolene took a trip on a yacht. Where did they go? Was it New Zealand? Not that they went all the way to this place on the yacht, but they were there. They needed to come back. Was it New Zealand, Australia or Tonga? Now, that is an especially deep dive for folks who were fans of Ambridge Extra, um, which is a neat link back, Kerry. Um, I quite liked Ambridge Extra. I, so did I, as, as I worked on it. <laughs> worked on three of the, uh, was it three series, I think? Yeah. Um, give, give us, just go back and just tell us the reason why Radio 4 said, yeah, 
um, Radio Four Extra said, "Yeah, we can have extra, an extra yeah. bit of uh, a bit, an extra bit of Ambridge." And then yeah, what that, for the production? I don't know why. I don't know why uh, they specifically did, but they uh, that was in the days when Radio Four had a, a budget for original drama, uh, you know, freshly produced uh, produced material. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's 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 the classic thing. They could see that uh, the Archers was very popular with listeners. Um, and they they thought it would be a way of, of giving giving listeners more archers. I mean, that, I think that was actually a phrase that was actually used at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it I really enjoyed working on it. Uh, and you know, some people enjoyed listening to it as well, which is great because it, it meant we could do different things. Okay. We could we we weren't tied to the usual constraints. There's nothing wrong with the constraints in the archers, but you know, it's nice to work outside them as well. Uh, and to give the listeners something different. For example, in, in one of the um, one of the series, we um, experimented with hearing characters in their voices, not exclusively, you know. But we, you know, we, we at times went into their into their heads and heard what they were thinking, as well as what they were saying to whoever's in the room with them. Your real kind of love of the whole construct of the arts, because we've spoken a few times now seems to be whatever podcast I'm doing, I try and invent a reason to get you on. And uh, we had you on Matt Corner. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I, you have a real sense of the map of Ambridge in your head. And, and I worked on it. That's why. Yeah. But, but even, even just that, you know, I think the construct of Borsitcher is, you know, I, it, I think it's more real in your mind than it is in many of the other writers. So, and it even comes down to the Borchester traditions and songs and whatever. Those all seem to come from your pen, don't they? Oh, I don't know about that. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I, yeah, I think, I think we, we all have a, you know, all the writers have, mm-hmm. have their own picture of Ambridge. They're all slightly different, just as every listener's uh, picture of Ambridge is, is slightly different. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I've ploughed a very, a very deep furrow over the years. And for someone who, who actually has a relatively uh, low boredom threshold, um, I'm very surprised to find myself, you know, uh, 20, you know, well, when, soon it'll be 30 years on the programme, assuming I, uh, they, they don't find me out uh, after all this time. Let's, before I throw uh, the mic out, uh, to to everybody um the obviously this week has been a big week and um it hasn't exactly been met with universal praise is is the is the fairest way to say it um i must admit i found monday a little bit of a slog but also it is the it's the the shock of the new it Mm. has said you know um but then it, it occurred to me that um, maybe a lot of this is you, you have to say, well, wait on a minute, everyone's scrambling, whether it's the writers, the directors, the production team, the actors, every, it's new for everybody. So it needs time, time to bed in. Though I thought that Tuesday was light and shade from the Monday, but I appreciate a certain character was used and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it must, it must be, I appreciate that specifically you, because you're, you're the most public member of the production team. 
you know, you are there, you, you are on Twitter, uh, and you do follow the various Arches forums. It must be hard, um, you know, to take, you know, to be that public face and then to hear when fans aren't happy, as well as it must be great when they say, bloody hell, that, that was brilliant. Mm. Yeah, well, I ran the Archers message board for 11 years. So, uh, you know, if I didn't have a thick skin, I'd have had a nervous breakdown. Uh, so I'm used to, I'm used to people expressing strong opinions. I know it's because they love the program. They love their version of the program. Yeah. Because everyone has their own version of the program, just as everyone pictures Ambridge in, in a different way. Um, so, and I understand, you know, I get it. I really do. This is a massive change. Um, as you said, a huge change of, of pace. Mm. Uh, it's going to take some getting used to, I'm sure. Uh, and, you know, some people, some people, they you know, didn't grab them immediately. Other people really liked it, you know. Um, I didn't have to look very far to find, you know, lots of people. Oh, read a few. Oh. I'm enjoying the new format. I take my hat off to all concerned. I was a little sceptical about the soliloquies, but now I'm really enjoying them. I love it. It's really inventive. A pleasure to peer into the characters' souls or psyches. So for some people, it's really working. For those that aren't, I just, I'd say, you know, stick with it for a bit. Um, as I said, it's it's the biggest change that's happened to the archers, and it is only temporary. Remember that as well, of course. It's the biggest change that's happened to the archers since the archers was invented. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, I hope people have understood a little bit about the circumstances under which this format was settled on. Um, you know, that means means at the moment they're hearing a limited number of characters expressing the drama in a limited number of ways although there are lots more and different ways to come as, you, as you'll hear over the over the coming uh, the coming weeks um but yeah i you know i understand that it's a it's a, it's a massive change uh the alternative was no arches at all quite genuinely mm. and we, we don't want that um no. just quickly the last question before we go and ask uh, listeners um to chip in what was the was there any uh foreshadowing with the episodes that were the the the, the classic episodes or were they all just cases of here is a theme it's four weddings and a death or or ambridge uh you know remembrances festivals etc or or is was there any foreshadowing with that i honestly don't know because that was a production you you, you said I'm, I'm the most prominent member of the production team strictly speaking i'm not on the production team yeah i'm on the writing team um and uh at a time like this uh even my normal kind of social contacts with the production i, I often would go into the because i live in birmingham where the where I mean, the, the team are based, I, I would rather than having telephone meetings, I would usually go in to the, to the office and have my meetings face to face because I prefer it that way. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you'd have a chat. And I, I, so I'd be a little bit more in touch. Not so this, in, in this instance. So, you know, we were told they're going to be classic episodes, they're going to be themed. But what the thinking was behind that and, uh, you know, whether they were specifically designed to foreshadow, I genuinely don't know. 
Okay. Right. Now, everybody, um, this is your time uh, to ask our Kerry um, a question. Uh, now, I'm going to quickly go through. We're slightly up against it with time. We've only got another 16 minutes or so. So if you've got a question, uh, please wave and I will come to you. Okay, Titian, you are up, mom. Um, I think I've unmuted you, have I? I thought I could... There we go. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. I can, can hear you very clearly. Hi. Hi. Hello. Lovely to hear you speak. Thank oh, I can you. see you now. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a favourite cheeky character, which is Kate, for all sorts of reasons. And I was wondering who are the characters you most, because you, you seem to clearly enjoy writing the comedy elements. And I was just wondering who are the ones that you have the most fun writing the mm. cheekiest, naughtiest little things yeah. that we can all read extra things into. I personally, yeah. obviously, Many of us love Tracy. Susan is fun, but Kate is my naughtiest. I have, yeah. I have a hippie mum, and I can really understand <laughs> uh, the, the pain and the fun. Um, uh, but who are your no, favourites to, to uh, well, write the naughty, funny bits for? Kate is fantastic. Um, uh, I was the person who wrote Kate talking to her grandmother about her sex life. So, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's the slightly larger than life characters. Uh, they're the ones that you can get that have the most comic potential. Um, char characters of the capital C, if you like. So, uh, Kate, Jazza, um, Linda, uh, not so much Dupontendry type stuff with Linda, clearly, but you know the, the ones that the, the ones that give you the comedy, the ones that the, the, the easiest to get comedy out of are the, are the slightly more extreme ones. Um, uh, Tracy. Obviously, the, the return of Tracy to the to, to prominence in the show has been a delight for me. Um, I also really like writing Brian. I really like his slightly sardonic, uh, you know, raised eyebrow kind of uh, approach to, uh, to a lot of what he sees around him. Uh, well, so, I mean, I, I could go on. The Grundys are great. You know, um, Joe Grundy. I, I just I, I I still mourn the fact that I will never ever write a line for Joe Grundy um, and it was it was interesting in the in the um, the classic episodes that we've had how how much he featured uh, yeah so I mean there's a little handful you know I, I could go on but that you know other people have questions and I'm sure thank, thank you, you thank Right, uh, we're throwing out the uh, the cudgels again so Mimi Mansfield uh, coming to you Mimi Mimi Hi, um, I'm not Mimi. I borrowed my daughter's laptop, so <laughs> I, 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 I didn't I know how weren't. to change my name. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm Kerry Warbis, and um, I just want to ask Kerry. Thanks for coming along. You're very brave, as usual. Um, will Auntie Cardboard get coronavirus? <laughs> well, Kerry, you should know better than to ask me a question about the future of the archers. Uh, you know, I just can't answer that. Um, uh, I mean, you know, maybe we should put it to a vote or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, no, sadly, you know, we, we have to take this Masonic oath, you know, that we will, we will not divulge the future of the show. All right. Uh, throwing out uh, the... Uh... The mic is going out, so keep waving if you want to ask a question. Nick and Neil, I'm going to come on to you. Quentin Rayner. 
trying to just get to new people who haven't asked questions before. But I will, if we have time, I'll try and get everybody in. Uh, Quentin, uh, ask your question, sir. Yes. Uh, he hello, Kerry. I'm, I, I also work for the, I also work for the BBC, so uh, I feel your pain. Um, <laughs> one thing that, that's surprised me, given here we are about thirty of us on Zoom, um, is why are you just sticking with the internal monologues? Is it technically not possible to at least have a couple of characters linked up like we are linked up now to actually have a, a dialogue? Yeah, the first thing is, well, the first thing is to say that I hope I've, I've painted the picture of the circumstances under which the decision was made to launch something safe, you know, that we could guarantee to do. Uh, and that was single voices. If I, uh, if I tell you that at the moment it's taking recording remotely, an episode takes about four times as long uh, as a conventional Archer's episode. Actors have got their home sound setups, which um, make them acoustically reasonably dead, which means we can put them into an appropriate environment. But what they haven't got is proper soundproofing. So at any time, um, uh, recording sessions can be interrupted by the toilet flushing, the neighbours arguing, um, a boy racer zooming past next door, the outside. So Doubling the number of characters in the scene obviously doubles, if not squares, the the, the chances of of uh, you know that of discarded takes and all the rest of it. Mm. I do know that the the uh, uh, Jeremy's already been on airs as 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 you know on record as saying that uh, there are plans to expand the format. Um, uh, you know, multiple voices, certainly, possibly. Um, but what, wait, what, but uh, Kerry, why can't you record simultaneously? And if there were some erroneous noises, we would forgive you. We, we wouldn't mind. It would depend what they were, wouldn't it? You know, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're walking through the middle of a cornfield, you know, you can't have a toilet flushing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, we, well, they you had to keep... Have, you, you yeah. could have it for these, these things may happen in the future. As I say, Jeremy has, 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 has spoken publicly, you know, that, that, uh, that they, they, they hope to expand more characters, more elements, if you like, as well. But it's, 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 uh, it, it, it it's was technically possible. It, it would be, but, you know, yeah. it, it adds complexity. Yeah. And what you're hearing is, is uh, at the moment, is something that was planned at a time of incredible uncertainty. Yeah. And so we had to go for what we absolutely knew we could get on air. Because uh, obviously having committed to go on air, you, you can't not do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're all now, you know, 30 days or whatever it is on, we're all that much more familiar with yeah. this, this sort of platform and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and as a writer, yes, it'd be lovely, you know, when we can uh you know have dialogue again and so on but but uh, for the time being you know uh, we, we we've for reasons i hope people now understand you know we've we've what's in the can you know has has the this this simple but safe and guaranteed format i hope people will you know adjust to it and get used to it over the next few weeks uh thank, thank you for for the question uh quentin um 
I think one of the things that was very obvious to me uh, after listening to the episode, or Tuesday's episode as opposed to Monday's, is that there are tricks in the writer's locker to be able to, to break up those monologues. Yeah. And you definitely were deploying them on on Tuesday's uh, episode. Yeah. And I mean, this is not a spoiler because I've actually mentioned it uh, on air. Uh, There's a competition to be a DJ that was mentioned. And you can, without going into any detail about how that's going to to play out, you know, you, you can you can fill in the blanks yourself a little bit there. That's another just like Tracy vlogging. Uh, that's another uh, technique that we, we can use. And there, there are lots more. Okay. All right. Let's uh, wave, folks, and I will come to you. Um, uh, Merryweather, um, you sound so Scottish as to be untrue. Uh, please tell me that you are Scottish, ma'am. I am completely Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'd like to ask, Kerry, is... Um, and it's reflecting on my own experience of listening to um, or watching Killing Eve, where I went into work and spoke in a Russian accent for about three weeks and <laughs> everybody mental. <laughs> so when you're writing for a character, do you, you know, as you're kind of formulating it in your head, do you apply the accent that you know that the actor uses? Not just the accent. Um, but that whole manner of, well, hope anyway, if I'm doing my job properly, that whole manner of talking, their vocabulary, their way of putting sentences together, their way of reacting, their way of thinking. Uh, and in fact, it's, it's interesting. It's really difficult to write a new character yeah. because you haven't heard them yet. And so new characters often tend to be a little bit kind of in the middle until we yeah. hear the actor speaking. And then it, you get into this kind of, feedback loop where yeah. you, you think ah you know I, I know what they are now and so you can write more of those there are some techniques when i was writing the new zealand episodes of, of ambridge extra mm-hmm. i listened for a fortnight to uh, on the internet uh, to uh, new zealand radio stations Brilliant. so so the kiwi characters I could actually get in my head, you know, and 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 try and uh, do at least a, 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 a passable, yeah, passable version of, of of how of how a New Zealander really speaks. But the other thing, when I'm actually writing, I don't just hear voices. I literally see the scene. I see it happening in front of me in my version of, say, Brookfield Kitchen or whatever. People yeah. are coming and going and making cups of tea because I've got to put the cues in the script to that will make a sound picture such that then you the listener oh i didn't think of that form, aspect of form it. that picture yeah, yeah. so it, it's it's a lot more than it's a lot more than just hearing voices which would be already enough to have me locked up frankly you know well quite frankly i'm an awesome villain. i just don't look like yeah. her i'm very good at villainaire yeah. <laughs> yeah. excellent melly uh, thank you for your question right so i'm gonna go on to my second screen uh jan mitchell coming over to you you're waving away there hello jan oh wait a minute sorry jan unmute Hi there. There we go. Hi. Um, It's uh, great to hear from Carrie and to see you, Royfield, and everybody. You're you're Um, in British Columbia, aren't you? I was going to say, I thought that was a Yes, Vancouver. Yeah. 
Um, so have, how much influence, I guess it's a twofold question. How much influence do the listeners have on your writing? And have you ever gotten a really good idea from a listener? Okay. Well, influence. Um, I think, I think that there are two answers to that and there's, there's specifically my writing and there's, there's the program. Um, as I'm sure everybody, uh, understands the, we work a lot, quite a long way ahead, you know, sort of stories are planned oh. years in advance sometimes. Um, and in detail, we're often, when we're writing, you know, we're sort of often about two months ahead of transmission. So by the time listeners are reacting, uh, to, to what they hear on, on air, um, it's often, it's, it, it would, it's impossible, you know, it, it, you know, listeners have very, very valid reactions. I mean, everyone's reaction is valid, you know what I mean? But, but, you know, the ones that we could use, but for the fact we've already written another two months and the story's oh. on its, on its way. So, this, so in this, in that, in that kind of short term, uh, effect, by the nature of the program, unfortunately not very much. Right. However, over the, the longer term, a huge amount because of course we we see what stories go down well what characters are popular uh what grabs people what didn't grab people oh just very briefly one one example was uh quite a quite a few years back we had um helen um and her romance with the gamekeeper mm. someone remind me of his Greg. name greg. greg thank you greg um and this is going to be our big autumn story and it was quite clear that this actually it wasn't grabbing the listeners. Um, and so mm. we uh, we were able, because it was a long-running story, we were able to uh, bring it sort of down in, in the, the, the running order, in, in the importance. It still happened, but it wasn't our big, big driving story. So, okay. uh, so, so, that, so uh, in the longer term, oh, we would be a bit stupid if we didn't listen to the listeners, wouldn't we? You know, uh, without yeah. the listeners, the program is nothing. Uh, but 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 we can't we, we we can't do a rapid rapid reaction simply because it's it, it's a super tanker. It takes a long time to turn. Uh, Thank you for your question, uh, Jan. And um, I know I did say thank you, sis, but thank you for that cake that you sent Lucy and I all those years ago. It, it was rather lovely. Um, so let's have one more question. Hello, Carla over in Canada. Steve Burge, you're up, sir. There you Thank go. You. A couple very quick questions. Um, if you get the go ahead that you can get the cast back into the recording studio, what's the time frame from that point to us hearing the first of the new normal episodes? Yeah. And with that in mind, are you already able to write scripts for when that will happen? Uh, second one first, no. Uh, because we have no idea when it will be. Uh, we don't know what will have gone on air by then. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so we, will, we will start reacting at the point we know it's practical. Big question, though, on, on what the lead time is likely to be. As I said, we, we normally work three months ahead uh, in terms of you know, story planning, um, 
you know to get in to, to, to get stories drafted and then into a into the story planning document which then goes into the script meeting which then goes into our uh the individual writer synopses which eventually gets into scripts which then go into studio which to be recorded which is then edited so it'll I, I wouldn't like to guess but it's going to be i imagine it'll be it'll be measured in you know a small number of months rather than a small number of weeks but you know that's a that's very much uh you know a, a guess you know it 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 might well be um it's not my it's not my decision thank goodness you know mm. but it's really really hard to predict what i will say is obviously everybody wants fervently to return to yeah. normal archers you know because we know that's you know that's what the listeners would like as i said this this the current format is even how it develops you know will be will be temporary um, and I know, uh, you know, they're they're looking Eve right now. We had a, a had a, a Zoom meeting uh, with production and writing writing team, where you know we were told that they are looking now at what will need to be in place. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know what what the government kind of regulations will be, what the BBC's health and safety requirements would be, what our own um, professional uh, judgment will be about the safety of our actors and production team um you know that all you know but when all of those boxes are ticked that's the time that you know we'll be able to move into the transition phase into the return to what we all know and love all right i'm going to thank you for that steve uh well, just one more question and then we're going to do the quiz so um uh, keep a waving and um i'm gonna come to uh, let's do you then brian holding sir hey, hi brian. hi yeah hi brian um hi um you may have already covered this i missed the very beginning of the thing but all those um scripts that you binned <laughs> will they ever reappear on the website as like an alternative version alternative history of the archers when um, the, um when the storylines have played out safely well it you know they they exist they're in the arc they're in the in the archive you know uh at the program i there's certainly no short-term plan for that i suspect it might be the case when in 10 20 years time when somebody's writing up you know the history of the archers or whatever uh that they get dug out as as a, as a you know the, uh, the the lost archers the missing scripts or something like that uh various people suggested you know maybe we do something for i mean listeners have suggested uh, at the moment on the production team we're all we're all too busy making the flipping new show um to, to think about to, to think about it but you know sort of who knows this is possibly something for children in need or whatever but um i it's no plans at the future who knows what the future might bring them. it's really interesting to see where it would have gone yeah yeah, yeah. so what i what I, I can guarantee is that some of it will be recycled in in my future <laughs> scripts so you, so it, it won't all be lost thanks for that brian 
Uh, and thank you, uh, Kerry, uh, for, for being here to answer our questions. But you can't go just yet because I want to see how many of these questions you've got right in the infamous <laughs> dum de dum quiz. Because I know you, you, you got you got one. You're oh yeah, I could see the the, 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 the cogs mm. burning in the old mm. brain and whatever. And you nailed the one. I know you did. So all right, so let's go back to these folks. Let's go back to the pitch around. What do we see here, um, Kerry? Any ideas what this well, archer single person is? I don't even know what the big the big picture is of. All right, is it stakes poles? Right. So posts? a couple of pegs, and that's pegs. some ghee. Oh, I thought I thought it was lemon curd. <laughs> I was really up there on it. Peggy Woolley then, yeah. Yeah, Peggy Woolley. Peggy Woolley. And the next one, <laughs> I know you know what this one is. What it, who, so th that was uh, Grange Spinney. Yes, Grange Hill. Grange Spin Spinney. class. Yeah. Must admit, I did look at a, a, an old map of uh, Borchester today, and oh yeah, well, let's get that in. So, if you are not uh, not British, you won't get the the first image. That's Grange Hill, which is a very popular TV school uh, soap drama for about some twenty years in the UK. So, uh, Grange Spinney. Uh, next one. Um, you shaking your head? Well, no, this, Moccasin, I couldn't even get this at all. There. Well, I, I had to throw everybody off the scent here. It's a shoe. It's a shawl ahead. But I didn't oh, yes. to throw people off the right. If I'd have shoe. put a pair of brogues, okay. everyone would have gone, well, that's a shoe. It's, it's shawl. So you've got the Hollywood sign, that's La, L-A. It's L-A. Then we've got um, H-E-B, which I didn't even know existed, but it's a food store in America. Then, I know it's Hebden, but I cheated and we've got Don Papa Rum. And then Lloyd's is a bank in England famous for the black horse Shula Hebden Lloyd very obscure well I, I, I deliberately made that one hard it was too easy with the, with the Shula so I, I, I went too deep with the uh, the Don I just thought oh that's a rum you know and obviously I was away then you know <laughs> <laughs> alright now questions about our Kerry Kerry's written a few traditional Borsetshire ditties which one didn't you pen which one of those didn't you pen Kerry I didn't pen Let's Give Edgley a Kicking, as if. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other two were songs written as if they were traditional Borsetshire songs for wonderful Joe Grundy to sing. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Kerry has a nickname with Archers fans, but what do Dum Dummers call him? And I think this is going to leak out in, in, into the wild now. I think other people call you this. Um, which one is it, Kerry? Well, I think Uncle God is the one. I, I, I wish you wouldn't, but um, uh, I, and I'm glad you dropped Lord Palpatine, which was which is in the earlier earlier version. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, I, I I got used to being called Mister Kerry on the uh, uh, on, on the uh, the message board, uh, predominantly because because of course I've got a very androgynous name mm -hmm. uh, so the mister helped people understand they were, if, they do, if it was important to them they were talking to a chat well, it has to be said so I think somebody t said to the, told me this on Twitter and in a DM they got completely confused uh, that my co-host this week on the show was was, was Kerry Warbis and they went <laughs> that's not Kerry and I mm. towards the end of the show did they realise that of course there's two Kerrys one's female one's male uh, Uncle God Kerry Davis is what Dumby Dumbass call you um mm. When Brian's affair became um, common knowledge, who was the first person to discover the truth? Can you remember, Terry? It was Debbie. Um, uh, and we heard, we heard uh, uh, in the classic episodes that have uh, recently run uh, some of that story. 
Uh, and although I didn't direct that episode, I thought I might have done, but it wasn't. I, re- I looked back and uh, I had definitely d- directed uh, a wonderful episode written by Mary Cutler, I think, where Debbie confronted Brian in the middle of the night. It was just a two-hander. And I'm working with two superb actors on this amazing story. Is a professional highlight. Fantastic. Um, you've done a lot, Kerry. Uh, which of the following is not true? That you were a subject um, of a petition to be the editor of The Archer. Sorry about my, my dreadful uh, writing here, everybody. I'm mm. in a rush uh, today. Um, his beard was voted uh, a beard, of, beard of the Autumn. Oh, number three, he wrote songs on an album produced by Chris Difford of Squeeze. Which one of those isn't true? I'm not sure, actually, because I was actually Beard of Winter, so I'm not sure if that was a trick question. It was a trick question. Uh, uh, it's actually there we go. Your Beard of Winter. Beard of Winter, yeah. So, number As you can see, I'm letting the side badly down now. Absolutely. But you can see in your picture, look, yeah. you come resplendent. You know, with, it'll 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 probably come back in, yeah. in some form or other. All right. Um, at the fate is in two thousand. Joe refused to give up. Uh, give tips on spiel troshing. Spile troshing. Spile troshing. Yeah. Well, I invented spile troshing. Uh, obviously, my greatest ever achievement, um, which is again a traditional Borchester, supposedly a traditional Borchester pastime. Uh, but I honestly can't remember this particular episode. So you're going to have to let me off the hook on this one. Because Bert wouldn't give him any help about the sheep from That's what it was. If anybody actually knew the answer to that, um, there's a job for you hosting (laughs) Dumpty Dum, because I had to go deep into the weeds to to find that uh, question. But I know that you create these Borchester traditions and stuff, so we wanted to... um, there's one that links back to you. Kenton and Jolien took a trip on a yacht. Where did they go or where were they? Yeah, we, we, we covered this uh, in our discussion, didn't we, earlier on? Uh, yeah, it's New Zealand. Um, and the, the great thing about this was, uh, I, I don't sail very much nowadays, but I used to be a very keen sailor. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to use all that knowledge uh, into making the, you know, the sailing detail as accurate as possible. Um, you know, the archers has a reputation for we don't always get it right but you know we certainly aim to uh and and it was great great to draw on my own sort of personal experience in that way fantastic right so very quickly everybody because kerry has to go right there were nine questions anybody get all nine give me a thumbs up hello glenn nice to see you there mr fuller love anybody get eight any advance on eight Come on, you like you call yourself archers fans, you call yourself hardcore. All right, seven. Oh dear. Were these especially oh wait a minute? Um no 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 four is not enough, Francesca. Oh Claire. How many did you get, Claire? Oh let's unmute you. How many eight? Yeah, good applause for, for Claire Asprey. <laughs> well done. You obviously don't get out at all, Claire. Well, there were some lucky guesses, I'll be honest. Props to you. Um, I wish I had a prize to give you, but but we don't. It's just that you just have the accolade of being... Yeah, yeah, no, oh, a sense of great worth. worth. That's fine. Well, look, it's uh, 10 past eight and uh, Kerry has to go. So what I I'm do have to, yeah, nothing you to get to all, everybody. And so um, why don't we all show our appreciation for Uncle God, Kerry Davis. Thank you. Thank you.
Can I just say to everyone, I said I, I said this earlier on, and I genuinely mean this. <coughs> without the listeners, I mean, it's, it's a bloody, it's an obvious statement of, of fact, but without the listeners, the program is nothing. And so thank you very much for listening. Well, thank you for being uh, the, the, the silent hand behind the docudrama that we all love, you know, the puppeteer in chief, or one of the puppeteers in chief. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kerry. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Stay And here's my little brother just waving. Oh, hot brother. Yeah. Yeah. Hot one. Brother. Yeah. Brother. End of the brand oh. looking stuff. <laughs> all right. All right. Bring it back on the Take care, everybody. See you all next week. Um, okay. Lexi, all we have. Um, Susie plays Tracy. It's one or the other. Not looking at my notes. See you same place, same time, same back channel. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.